Right, let's get into the Word. Matthew chapter 5, verse 14. If you've got your Bibles or can look it up on your phones. And it says this. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. I want to speak this morning, uh, the title is, You Are the Light So Shine. You Are the Light So Shine. Last week was fantastic. I knew Kristen would be amazing. I've been to a number of things that we've invited him to come into, and he just moves at such a high level in the Holy Spirit. But it's, it's no surprise. I mean, he spends so much time with the Holy Spirit on a day-by-day that it's not surprising that he does move in the power of the Holy Spirit the way he does. Now, just who would, who would like him to come back at some stage? Yeah? I just felt last week like we had just touched the tip of the iceberg. Like he was just starting and and the clock, which is my biggest enemy, uh, he was just starting and the clock basically said 12 o'clock. So I've rebooked him and he's coming back in two months' time. And what I'm thinking is we'll have Kristen at church And then we'll break for lunch and have lunch maybe at the cafe all together. And then we can, for those that are keen, come back and do an afternoon session as well. And we just basically just crash right in and get more out of it um, than last time. But the thing I love about last week is the fact that I saw so many of you come forward to put yourselves in the trailer. You'll recall that Kristen talked about Putting your, jumping into a trailer as a sign of offering yourself to God in a fresh way. And, and some of you maybe came forward for that, maybe, maybe you came forward for other reasons, but it's, it's just a wonderful thing seeing people take physical steps as a sign, I'm putting God first, I'm going further for God, I'm doing more for God, I'm not, I'm not pulling back, I'm not just sitting here disengaged. The worst thing we can do is to switch off and be disengaged. What can God do with disengagement? Nothing. You know, I was in the police uh, for years, and they, used, and they started bringing in engagement surveys, and lots of organizations do them now. And, and you know, it, it highlighted that there were a lot of staff in the police who had uh, basically become disengaged. Now, that's not a lot. Lots and That's not to paint a bad picture of police. I, I mean, I knew lots and lots and lots. Most staff were highly engaged. They loved, uh, it broke their heart to see bad things happen to people and they loved identifying and catching bad people and put them in, putting them in front of the courts or people that had done bad stuff, uh, putting them in front of courts to be held accountable for the sake of their victims. But there were some people who were disengaged and they basically just... Uh, Uh, Like one person that comes to mind, and and there were a number like this, they started off very passionate in the police, but then they got frustrated at some point as to 
uh, court processes where they'd expect someone to be found guilty and they weren't. They were acquitted at, at trial and it had been a couple of years' work and it happened repeatedly or, or they just watched other things that, you know, and it just slowly niggled away and niggled away at them. So they became disappointed and, and, and even hostile towards the whole process. And, and if you think about it, we either allow ourselves to become eaten up with disappointment and aggression and anger, or we just switch off. And so they'd come to the point where they just switched off. I knew a boss in the police who uh, was a tremendously intelligent man. And I saw him, he would promise staff that he was going to do stuff. And I remember talking to him after one big promise where he promised some staff to do something, like, you know, he was going to fix some stuff because staff were unhappy. And he, and he basically said to me the next week, I have no intention of doing that. He just said it to get them off his back because he felt the heat at the time. That is disengaged. That is, and yet he was a tremendously capable person, highly intelligent, but he had just switched out. He had clocked out. He had punched out. And he had decided Dave doesn't need to be on the job today. Dave doesn't, Dave can just cruise. And all he was, you know, one day he said to me, you're worried about the wrong things to me. He said, you know what you should be worried about? He said, you need to go for promotion. It's time for you to start climbing that greasy pole. Climbing that greasy pole. He said, superannuation. That's what matters because it all obviously get promotion, get more pay, increases your superannuation. And, he, and his lights lit up. This was his passion. This was what he was engaged about, superannuation. Get the superannuation because he was about to leave police and retire. Um, the sad thing was he was so disengaged in every other area. And the thing that he was engaged about is pointless. Money doesn't make you happy. Now, it might help having extra toys. Anyone complain about having extra toys? New, new mountain bike, whatever, you know? But really, it's just fleeting stuff. None of it brings you happiness. Only God can bring happiness. So here we are. We've, we have last Sunday, and, and you come forward. But the thing I'm conscious of is the Holy Spirit comes, and the Holy Spirit is so good. The Holy Spirit journeys with us and comes into our lives and, and does this incredible work with us and helps us with to be more confident in that. But the Holy Spirit is a two-edged sword because he's actually here to empower us and to give us passion to be lights for the world, to reach out and love the world. And it's the Holy Spirit that breaks our heart when we see sad things happen to people and, and, we, and it just tears our heart out. It's the Holy Spirit doing that in our lives because he, he wants us to care about what's happening in the world. He wants us to care about what's going on. And he wants us to tell people. So if we just take last week and keep it our little happy club, you know, experience in that, it really does, well, you know, we're edified, but I think God wants us to shine the light outside. And I spoke about this briefly last week, but uh, I think 
we really need to just look at at uh, how we do that. And so in the future, we'll be looking at techniques and tips and showing some stuff. Um, we had Dave Mann speak last Saturday as well, did the Engage conference, and uh, and he has released a number of videos that I want to have a look at. And we might actually just show some really short videos and how to answer questions, how to approach topics, because there are some topics that pay, make people nervous um, to talk about. And, and what does God think about this and that? And, and so it's really good to have some tools and some ways to go forward on this stuff. And I am miles off track. I don't, I'm not even following my notes. I haven't been following them from the first. We read the first scripture. I was on track. There it ended. You know, in the beginning, God, I'm just going to use some of it and not use most of it. In the beginning, God said, let there be light. You know, Genesis chapter 1 verse 3. God said, it says that God hovered over the world. The world was just uh, basically a, a big, dirty void. And then God hovered over it. And God said, let there be light. I was thinking about it last night. It's amazing that the first thing that God did was create light. You know, God is our great light. The Bible describes God as light. It goes on to describe Jesus as light. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. All things were made through Him, and without Him, nothing was made that was made. And in Him was life, and that life was the light of all men. And I was thinking about, you know, we are the light, but there it says, in Him was life, and that life was the light. And so I realized that, we are Jesus' light, but the first thing that grabs people is actually the fact that we have life in us. Do you have life? Anyone here have a little bit of life? It's great. And this is a thing when you're out rubbing shoulders and talking to people outside in the community, people will know there's something about you. If you're a believer, you can't hide it. People will sense that there's something about you that is different. They may not be able to put it all together, but I remember right back through my teachers, I can tell you which teachers believed in God. I couldn't figure it out at the time, but now I look back and I can tell you which ones it was. There was something about them that was truly different. There was a, a sense of uh, care about them. They seemed to care about me in a way that others didn't. And I didn't always find schooling that easy. I didn't know uh, a number of teachers probably found me and, and the classes I was in quite difficult to manage. Uh, but, but there were some teachers that though, though they were very strict, there was a fairness about them. There was a, you could see there was a sincerity about them. They genuinely cared about their kids, and they genuinely cared about me, and I could sense that there was a life in them that spoke. When you're out talking to people, there's a life in you that people get. They can sense stuff about you, and that life is light to them. It points the way back, just as the moon reflects the sun, we reflect Jesus. Isn't that cool? You know, we're his light bearers. We're his light ambassadors. Jesus is gone, 
and he's left us to carry on. And we are the ones who speak into people's lives. We're the ones that have the privilege of bringing hope to this world that's lost. Now, we are not hope. Jesus is hope, but we point the way. And we set an example that they can follow. Just like Paul when he said, you know, I imitate Christ, uh, imitate me as I imitate Christ. So our lives can be, what have things about them that God can use to touch people. I've realized with our light, though, there's three things that can, um, that can affect us. And the first is our bulb is dim. Our bulb is dim. Our spiritual bulb becomes dim. So it's, and, and this can come through a whole bunch of situations, but, uh, but generally it comes from not being plugged into God, not being connected to God. And so the, the challenge is that we, the touch that many of us had last week that we continue with that touch. We need to continually be in the presence of God. Now, I don't mean 24-7, because if we're just sitting in a room praying the whole time, that's not really helping people. Now, I'm not saying praying is bad and we need to pray, but if that's all we do, then it's not out sharing the gospel. And I think at some point, God wants us to be out of the room, actually showing love to people, like Jen was doing this week with her friend in hospital. Isn't that a great testimony? We, I don't know if you've noticed, but we're having a, we've had a lot of breakthroughs in prayer um, through our intercessors and at church uh, for months and months and months now. Just like really great, really really great breakthroughs and miracles. Um, I I had the privilege the other day. I was talking to some people. Um, they're not from here. None of you know them, um, but. Uh, the um, woman is pregnant and she started bleeding. And that, I don't know if you are aware, but that's not a good sign. And so they were going to the doctor and, and uh, I said, um, how, I was checking in, how are you going? And, and they said, we're off to the doctor again today. And I said, I'm praying. And they said, thank you. And I kept praying and um, I just went off and just found some quiet space. I just prayed really um, intentionally around it. And then I got a, um, a text from him about an hour later saying, everything is good, the heartbeat's still there, she's still hungry, everything's going well. And they updated me the next day and everything is going really, really well. Um, God is concerned and intervening. Now, I know sometimes our prayers don't get answered, and I've been in that boat. I've prayed for people, and, and they haven't been healed. There's people I've gone to pray for, and I've really felt in God, God was going to do an amazing, incredible miracle in their life. And whilst he does, he didn't do it in the way I thought, and so he doesn't heal the cancer. Um, that's just stuff we've got to manage. Not everyone that we pray for will be healed. God can heal everyone, but he chooses to take different courses with different people. But if we don't know unless we pray. 
And we've got to believe when we pray for everyone that they can be healed because God can heal. It's a, it's a strange sort of thing. Um, but I'm totally comfortable praying for people and seeing them healed and praying for people and knowing that God chooses to do a different way. I've come to a point where I can kind of live with that. I, I don't like saying goodbye to people. Um, I'd rather say hello. Um, but it's a circular life kind of thing. You know, people, we, we are born and we die at some point, um, some prematurely. But miracles happen. And we're seeing amazing things happen. Now, I think the Holy Spirit has, I mean, this church was birthed out of the Holy Spirit. This church was birthed in the 70s out of a move of the Holy Spirit, the same move that birthed the church that Gina and I come from, um, Life Church or New Life Church it was then. or It's the same move. The Holy Spirit's DNA is on this church. And it needs, and it needs to, to be true to this church. It needs to be pulsing through this church. And so I, as a pastor here, am keen to see that happen. I know that you that have been here and, and know that, it's, that this is a Holy Spirit church know that that's what you want. And the exciting thing is we get to see miracles. We get to see the Holy Spirit moving in people's lives. I sat down, um, uh, Andre and I um, sat down a couple of weeks ago and chatted to a, to a young guy and we were talking about the Holy Spirit. You see, you can believe in God and believe the Bible but not kind of really feel that the Holy Spirit is that active these days. Some, some movements believe that. I, think that's, I, I don't think that's the full message. I don't think that's all of God's goodness. They think the Holy Spirit basically worked for a time and then stopped. I didn't, I didn't see when, you know, when, when the Bible talks about the Holy Spirit, I didn't see a, a time stamp on that. You know, when God gave salvation to mankind, he didn't time stamp it. It's only for this generation. When he gave the Holy Spirit to fall in Acts 2 upon everyone when they were in one, one place, he didn't time stamp it. I don't believe he time stamped it for a second. When God gives gifts, he gives them away and they become our possession. It's the law. When, when you give something, you give possession and you give title. God gave us title. Like it's given to us. They are, the Holy Spirit is our gift. You can pray and expect the gifts of the Holy Spirit because God has given them to you. Otherwise, it's not a gift. If I give something to you, but I actually hang, hang on to it, that's not a free gift, is it? But when I give it to you and you're free to have it, that is a gift. The Holy Spirit is a gift. We're meant to move in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So, the first one was the bulb can be dim. The second one is the battery that runs the bulb. So our light shining can be dim. And that, and that again comes from just not charging up enough in God, not reading the word enough, 
And I found times in my life where I don't read the Word, I'm just not alive. But when I take time and I sit down and I read the Bible, it brings something alive in me that I can't describe. But it just, there's something about it. When I get into scriptures and I wrestle with stuff and I read stuff, and I'm not talking about that we make a plan that we're going to read the Bible uh, from cover to cover in a year. That's, I mean, that's fantastic. But even just reading three verses for three months and just pondering that. I've had periods where I've spent I've spent weeks and weeks and weeks just in one chapter of the Bible trying to get my head around every little part of it and just thinking about stuff. Now, you're always reading about other stuff and that as well, but but it's just getting it into here, getting it into... It's, there's something spiritual about reading the Bible. Amen. I love you, brother. You're a good man. There is something truly spiritual about reading it that, well, the Bible, you know, you read it, it edifies us. There's life in this book. It tells us the journey of Israel, the relationship between Israel as a nation and God, but it also tells you about Jesus. I mean, it's, you can't read the Bible and not be changed or challenged or something. In fact, I read uh, a case of an atheist yesterday. I was reading about him uh, yesterday morning. He, uh, he was an atheist, um, didn't believe it in God at all. And a, a believer actually challenged him and said, Jesus, uh, how did he put it? was about Jesus. He said, Jesus, basically Jesus was the wisest man of all times and you should read the Bible to find out why. And he thought, oh, that's not true. Oh, well, it'll be easy to figure out. So he started reading the Bible. Guess what? Now he's a believer. <laughs> you can't read the Bible and not be challenged or changed in some way. Probably the best challenge we can give to atheists is try and just read the Bible and try and disprove it. You know, read the life of Jesus. And, and you know, Monty Python, I've shared this before, but Monty Python set out. They wrote the life of Brian as a mockery of Jesus. That was their goal. But when they sat down and read the Bible, they said, you can't mock Jesus. There's nothing to mock. There's nothing that he said that was funny that we can take the mickey out of. But then they looked one step away and they found 12 disciples. A lot to mock in those guys. And they created a movie. But it's amazing they looked at the life of Jesus and there was nothing they could mock. They said, you just can't make, you can't make fun of the guy. Isn't that incredible? The talent of those guys and they couldn't mock Jesus. It's amazing. And the third thing that I've been thinking about is the environment that we're in doesn't allow our light to shine. I don't know if you've driven out in the country uh, when when the lights are going, uh, lights are on in your car, and you just can't see through fog. I remember driving to Marston um, uh, last year and earlier this year, and the fog was out, and it you, it's just really hard to see. And the and the more you put the lights up onto full beam, the less effective they are. In fact, they say you should travel through fog and dip, and there's little fog lights that you can use as well, but. You know, sometimes we can have 
situations in our environment that come into our environment that can kind of take uh, the focus of the light away. So my recommendation is look at anything in your environment and anything that knocks or chips away at your faith, chips away at the power of your light, deal with it. If you're into conspiracy theories and stuff like that, and other theories, I mean, there's a whole bunch of theories and they're wearing people out. They make people tired and they distract and they, they actually bring, there's a whole, even in churches, you know, there are a whole bunch of theories that actually bring more division than unity. That's not God. We're meant, we're meant to actually focus on the absolutes and love one another, not focus on the, the minutes and despise one another. When, it doesn't, does no one good when a church calls or a big church leader calls others out publicly. And it's not the biblical way. The Bible says if you have an issue with someone, you should go to them privately and talk to them about it, not preach a sermon and call them out publicly because I look good. That's not, that's just pride and bullshiness. That's just ego. Do you know what ego is? Ego's insecurity and fancy clothes. Who was it said that? Quincy Jones. He said it a couple of weeks ago in a program, and I thought, ooh, that's cool. Ego's just insecurity and fancy clothes. So humility, Holy Spirit, light. We should shine.